Have you thought about your New Year's resolutions? Do you have some financial goals in mind? This episode will teach you how to make your financial goals smart so that you will actually achieve them. And at the end, we may even give you specific financial goals to consider. Residency can be such a letdown when it comes to building your financial foundation, but it truly doesn't have to be that way. If you're a physician wanting to take control over your financial future and take back the freedom you deserve, come hang out with this money nerd. No long hours or sleepless nights. Just you, me, and the Financial Residency Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Inman. And I'm your co-host, Jimmy Turner. What's up, Jimmy? What's up? How you doing? Good. Welcome back to the show, everyone. TPP and I are back for another Wednesday segment. We're super excited to bring this show to you guys all about smart goals and celebrating some of those wins. But before we jump in, it's time for that important disclaimer. This show is not personalized financial advice for you. In fact, this is for your entertainment purposes and should only be seen as general education. Neither of us can give you specific advice on your financial situation through the show. So if you aren't a do-it-yourself financial guru, you should consult an attorney, CPA, or fee-only financial planner like Ryan before you go and make any big money decisions. In today's show, we're going to talk about the importance of goal setting and kind of give you some specific tools to help you create solid financial goals for your New Year's resolutions or really any time of the year, depending on when you're listening to this. But before we get started, special thank you also to Comp Health. There's a lot of podcasts out there, Murder Mysteries, Breaking News. Yes, that's even a podcast about garden gnomes. But instead, you're here learning about how to be the best physician you can be, which I think is a smart move from a financial standpoint. But do you know what else is a smart move? That's working a locum tenens assignment with Comp Health, today's sponsor. I know you're thinking you already have a job, and that's the best part. You can work flexible locum assignments on the side for extra income, or you can work locums full-time too. And on top of all of that, locums almost always pays more on average. So head to financialresidency.com slash comp health and see what locums can do for you financially. Our link is also in the description of the show you're listening to us in right now. Ryan, I'm kind of curious. You do financial planning and life planning with your clients. So in your experience, do you think setting goals is important or how important is it to achieving financial success for, for the people you work with every day? Yeah. So life planning really is taking your money and having that kind of assist you in the life that you want to live. And most people have kind of been, you know, head down trying to just get through training and, you know, right into their early careers. And they haven't stopped to think about like, what do they actually want to do? Why are they getting up and doing all these things every day and, you know, leaving the kids, the family, whatever it is. And so as we talk through life planning, that's just almost a fancy way of saying it's goal planning. Mm-hmm. And the way that we approach it is obviously very different than just, hey, write down some goals and let's talk about it. You know, there's a lot of different exercises and things that we go through to do that. But in, essentially, it's the foundation of a financial plan and it's essentially goal planning. So this is super important, right? So it sounds pretty important then. Yeah. So today we're going to discuss a specific tool for goal setting because it is that important when you're making your life plan, or your financial plan. And the tool we're going to discuss today is the SMART goal setting. So this acronym is actually two different ones. So it's funny in preparing for the show that Ryan, you had a different acronym than I did, but the one that yeah, I prepared the correct one. Yeah, of course. You know, no, I'm, I'm always wrong. I'm used to it for now. <laughs> so I'm in that book. Too. That's right. So smart S M A R T just for anybody that can't spell that it's specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time specific. And Ryan, you had a different one that you're familiar with. What was yours? Yeah. Specific, measurable, 
actionable, which is different than achievable. And then I have realistic versus relevant and then time specific, but either of them work as long as you're actually making the goals and trying to make them smart goals, which you'll see more in just a minute. It doesn't really matter which one it is, as long as you're actually preparing them, writing them down and trying to achieve them. Yeah. And I agree. And this actually comes from the business world where, you know, businesses love writing down business plans. And so they came up with a way to just be a little more descriptive for their goals so that they can achieve them in a measurable way. And so it's, you know, it's kind of it's the way this acronym works out. And so the simplest example that I can think of for financial stuff would be to say, you know, or I'll give you an example, I guess, of a bad way to do this would just be say, we're going to pay off our student loan debt. And that's your entire plan. Like you just, I'm just going to pay off my debt. Well, when are you going to pay it off? How and the reason off? that it's bad is because you don't know when and it gives you an out. Oh, well, we didn't pay it off. Oh, well, we tried. Right. right? There's no measurable way to see, did we succeed or not? Right. And so if you're not making these goals in a smart way, then you really have a way of not achieving what you're, what you're setting out to achieve. And so a better example of, of this sort of thing would be to say, we're going to pay off our $200,000 in student loans in 24 months after training by paying $5,500 per month scheduled and using our quarterly bonuses according to, let's say, the 10% rule and putting 90% of our money towards that goal. It's measurable, you know, how much you're paying off, when it's going to happen. It's achievable if you have a high income. Obviously, if you're making $50,000 a year, you wouldn't make a goal to pay off $200,000 in 24 months. That's just not achievable. It's obviously relevant if you have any desire to be debt free. And then time specific, we said 24 months. And so that accomplishes all five of those things. And I'd say it accomplishes the five that you're familiar with too. Yeah, it definitely does. So when I look at it and I read achievable versus actionable, are you saying, or do you in your own practice set goals that you know you for sure can achieve or do you set them higher than that? Cause that word trips me up in the, the smart goal concept. Yeah, I, I actually agree. And I used to just kind of think of this as a goal that I know that I can achieve if I kind of set my mind to it. And then actually, interestingly, talking to Peter from Passive Income MD, he got me thinking about this a little bit differently. So when you set goals, if they're too easy to achieve, you won't really push yourself. And so you kind of need, you know, that burning platform to, to force you to make the jump. And you'll actually find when you place yourself in those situations, you can achieve much more than you thought you could. You just have to, you know, really kind of stretch yourself and, and, and get to that goal. You know, when I say achievable, it needs to be possible within the realm of possibility in my mind, but it does need to push you a little bit so that you achieve as much as you can. Yeah. You can't pay off more debt in a year than you make in the year, right? Like that's That'd be tough. <laughs> possible, right. So of course it needs to do that, but I set stretch goals and I admitted on air like a couple of weeks ago when I got sick with pneumonia that I have all these stretch goals and I wanted to release all these things and then kind of like life threw me a curveball and I couldn't hit some of those things I want to hit by the end of the year because of this unforeseen illness. Yeah. But that's okay because if I didn't set myself up for these big goals, then I might not have achieved in my, this is just the way that I work. I might not have achieved them. I might've looked at it. It was like, oh, that's so easy. Like, and I just kind of write it off. So I want these massive goals. And then I like bringing them like down to like a more bite-sized version. So I'll sure. give an example, losing a lot of like people have to lose weight and this isn't a weight loss show by any means. But if let's say you had to lose 50 pounds, that's a lot what of weight to say. I do need to probably lose that. 
And right, I've used this example before on the show, but I think this relates to like this. I want to set a huge stretch goal. So it'll be, you know, if we go with the smart goal, I would like to become healthier, lose 50 pounds, let's say. Well, 50 pounds, that's a lot of weight. That but is a lot I, of weight. Well, if I can lose 25 pounds in six months, that's more achievable, mm-hmm. right? And it's like, well, if I can lose about 12 pounds a quarter, that's not as bad. And then I can break it down. Well, it's four pounds a month. Well, it's one pound a week. Well, one pound a week, that is so much easier than, holy gosh, I got to lose 50 pounds. 50 pounds. Yeah. Right? So you take that stretch goal, which that is a stretch goal, and you break it into smaller goals. And it suddenly becomes more achievable. So the way that mm-hmm. I write my business goals, the way that I write my personal goals, that's exactly what actually what I do is I, I want to stretch it, want to go as far as I can and then try to break them into smaller pieces. So something that I thought I'm probably not going to be able to do this, Jimmy, this is a crazy goal. Yeah. Well, if I break it down and I do that with all of my goals that are longer than a year. Mm-hmm. So some of the goals I have in three months, you could do that, but it doesn't have the same impact. But it's the goals that you wanted. So student debt is a great one, right? I've got 200K of debt. I want to pay it off in X number of months or years. Then break it into smaller pieces. Mm-hmm. Aside, like you guys did, what was it, like five grand or 5,500 yeah, 5, a month? Yeah, I remember that. So you set up a monthly piece that you were going to hit every month. And then if you had any extra, great, toss it in. But at least you're breaking that bigger one into smaller chunks. And for us, that ended up working out exactly that way. So we aimed for 24 months and we did it in 19 because bonus pay ended up being a little higher than I anticipated and got there a little sooner. So yeah, that, that kind of speaks to the achievable portion of this and certainly the measurable. In, in terms of relevant, I really think this is you know something to pitch back to you, Ryan. I mean, this is life planning. Like how does it fit into the big picture of your financial world? That's how you determine if it's a relevant goal or not. Like for some people, paying off a mortgage, being debt-free may be the biggest financial goal that they have. And for other people, they're like, nah, I don't mind leveraging my debt and investing a ton of money because I want to get to my financial independence number. You know, but it has to fit your picture because personal finance is personal, right? Yeah, it wouldn't fit the acronym. But I instead of relevant, I almost look at it as like, does it motivate you? Right? Mm-hmm. Does this goal, will this goal get your butt in action? You yeah. know, thoughts are nice, but you know, does this actually, you know, help you get to where you want to go? And without emotion you are not going to achieve your goals. Like I'll just be sure. blunt. Like if you are like, yeah, I should lose 50 pounds and yeah, I can break it into a pound a week. But if you're like, man, I don't really care about losing weight. Someone told me I should. You're never going to do it. The financial goals, it's other personal goals. doesn't matter what it is. If you're not passionate about it and you truly want to do it, it's not going to happen. So on the relevant piece, you know, I could tie back in through life planning. That's where we're trying to break down and find out what are those triggers that make you excited or anxious or nervous to have those in your life can we get rid of those how do we get rid of them what are the goals to eliminate those things or to gain you know the positivity on the other side of it so that that's how i look at that and and for the term relevant realistic kind of we talked about is just making that it's within the realm of possibility now you could set a stretch goal but it still needs to be possible yep and time specific is pretty obvious, but you know, I'm, I'm stealing from you, Ryan, just reading some stuff here. But you know, I think that some practical tips are also helpful here. So we talked about the philosophy of this, right? The SMART acronym, the specific, measurable, actionable, or achievable, realistic or relevant, and then time specific. But this can't just be something in the clouds, right? You have to actually make this concrete. How, how do you have your clients do that? Yeah, you got to write it down. 
if you have anything like Jimmy and I over here, we he's his nickname is Dory, and I might as well be Dory because mm-hmm. we're gonna forget exactly what happened in about thirty minutes. Yeah. So if you don't write these things down, the next day you're not even gonna remember exactly the phrasing you had that might have been really good that motivated you then, and it's not gonna have the same punch or the same effect if you're not writing these things down. So back to life planning when we go through these exercises, we're not just saying, Oh, tell me about it. I want you to write it down first, Mm -hmm. then tell me about it. And don't talk to your spouse first. We're going to talk about it all in the call together, but I want you to go through the process of writing it down because it'll help you clarify your thoughts, refine what it is that's important. And then by the time that we get talking about it, which for all of you listening, this doesn't mean you need to absolutely go through life planning. But what it does mean is you need to write it down. And before you start talking about your goals to someone, which you should do, the act of writing it will help you define what it is that you really want. So you yeah. got to write it down. It's it's kind of like budgeting. And so you got to just got to do it. You got to jump in and just understand what it is. When you're talking about goals, you have to write it down. Yeah, there's something powerful about putting pen to paper, man. Because, you know, same thing works when it talks about, you know, being content or gratitude. Like write down the things that you're actually thankful for in your life and you'll start to realize how, how good you might have it in some ways. Yeah. And as you're in the one thing, the last thing I'll add on this is as you're writing it down, it needs to be written pos- like in a more positive manner than a mm. more negative manner. Yeah. And Jimmy, we, we did a whole show on framing and that's exactly what you're doing, but you're doing it to yourself. Right. right. You're framing it in a way that you're not going to read and go, oh yeah, I probably should do that. You want to write it in a way that you're like, yeah, I want to do that. I want to, to achieve that. Yeah, that's a tough goal, but you're excited for it. And I like, oh, crap, this is a really hard goal. I don't know how. I'm actually- never going to get there. Yeah, that, that's super important. So now that you kind of understand the SMART acronym and, and how to go about this in terms of abstract concept, and then we're encouraging you to write it down, you might be wondering, well, what in the world am I supposed to do? Like, what goals should I have? And so Ryan and I are going to kind of discuss 11 potential goals that you consider. And of course, there are certainly more than this, but these are 11. Yeah, there's 11,000 goals you could do. Yeah. But we're picking 11, we think somewhat relevant to the audience goals that could get you kind of on that path to starting to write down some goals. So number one is an emergency fund. So using that as a smart goal, most people in this space recommend to have three to six months of emergency expenses. I don't know what you recommend to your clients, but we have three to four, I think right now. Yeah, I think three months is a, is a bare minimum. And this isn't the planner, you know, with the CYA concept. I, I really do think three months is the bare minimum. Mm-hmm. If you are in a very steady job with a spouse that also works, like income is not an issue. You're already saving a lot. You don't need more than that. Mm-hmm. But if you're 1099, you're, you're doing locums, you don't know where the next job is going to come, or your spouse is unemployed or doesn't work and everyone's depending on that, you might want more than that, yeah. six months, maybe even 12 months. There's definitely cases that we've seen that you should have 12 months. Yeah, that's really interesting. I guess it's different for everybody. Yeah, personal finance is personal. Right? Yeah. But an emergency fund, right? You, we want you to have one. So to say like, I want an emergency fund, that is not a good goal No. Right? at all. But what you'd want to say is something like, I want to save 10% of my take-home pay to build up an emergency fund, right? It's very actionable. It's time-specific. It's possible you know, realistic, it's definitely relevant, right? It's got all those key metrics of a smart goal. And it's not just, I want to be better with money, right? That doesn't help. Right. That's not specific. You want to be better with. And so in this case, emergency fund, you've set exact amount over an exact period of time to do this exact thing. Right. Special thank you also to Comp Health. 
You can work flexible locum assignments on the side for extra income, or you can work locums full-time too. And on top of all of that, locums almost always pays more on average. So head to financialresidency.com slash comp health and see what locums can do for you financially. Link is also in the description of the show you're listening to us in right now. And number two is a great example of what you're talking about earlier, where, you know, taking up the bite-sized chunks. So retirement savings, you could have an overall big picture goal. I want to get to two and a half, three, four million dollars for, you know, my retirement savings. And obviously that would be a much bigger goal. And you could still set a timetable for that and make it a smart goal, but you'd want to break that one down into, you know, smaller bite-sized monthly savings or annual savings goals in order to get to, to that number. But you could you could make multiple smart goals there. And this is a really big one to break it down bite sides to think of it that way because if you were like, gosh, I need three million dollars, right? Just mm. throwing out there. I need three million dollars. That's a whole lot of money. I'll never get there. And then you ostrich and head in the sand. You're not you're not gonna get there because yeah. you were right. right. <laughs> you didn't break it down like you were right. You didn't get there, which would be horrible and unfortunate and hopefully no one goes through that listening here, hopefully we're changing you around. But the behavioral side of this, I hear all the time, well, I save for retirement. What else about retirement? Well, I don't know. I just do the minimum here. It's like, well, is that going to achieve any goal that you have? Like, when do you want to retire? Oh, I'd like to retire in 10 years. Okay. Well, we need to work backwards. Yeah. Right. You want to retire in 10 years. You think you need this now mathematically and stuff. We can use probabilities and all that to find out what that number should be. But let's just, for the sake of discussion, say it's, three million bucks and you have a million bucks. Well, in 10 years, how are you going to do that? Well, either work longer, you're going to save more, but we need a plan. We need it to be actionable and realistic, Mm -hmm. right? I have to change expectations. So if you're early in your career, this is, it's still very important, but if you're getting towards the later part of your career, you really need to, to decide what it is, how you're doing it. And this that this one goal for retirement savings specifically is extremely important. Oh, me. yeah. I think it's easily enough done if you think about it, but this is not something you could do unintentionally. You have to sit down, write it out. You have to take it in bite-sized chunks. And, and like you said, kind of be very specific with your goals and how you're going to get there. It's not going to happen by accident. So number three is increase your income. And kind of what I'm getting at here with this one is just to consider all of your income sources. So, you know, we've talked previously in other journal clubs about having multiple legs on your stool so that are on your table so that it doesn't fall over. And that's important here too. You can increase your income, of course, through extra shifts, working as a physician or doing locums work on the side or any number of side gigs. So you could increase another your income through another revenue stream, but that's that might be a goal for you this year. You might say, hey, I wanna get into medical expert witness work, or I want to write a book, or I want to you know, get into real estate investing. I'm not currently involved in that. But again, a smart goal would be key. Yeah, so I wanna get into real estate investing is not a smart goal, right? Mm-hmm. But the thought process or the idea of it can then spark what could be a smart goal. Right. I'd like to get into real estate investing doesn't help anyone, and it just <laughs> gives you this lofty floaty thing out there that's like i'd like to do that and then the end rolls around you're like oh yeah i didn't do that one well it didn't happen next year right yeah. it doesn't but if you say hey i want to invest in one syndication i want to make sure that i own one REIT fund i want to buy one rental property it's getting closer yeah right and you're like that costs this amount or that is this amount of investment yeah now you've got a smart goal Exactly. You got, you got to tie in all the pieces, but 
So that's a great one for some people, depending on what your goals are for the year. So number four is student loan debt. So making a goal there. So 80% of our listeners likely have student loan debt when they graduated from training. And so this is, is potentially relevant to you. But 20% that don't, congrats, hooray. I'm glad that you don't. But for the other 80%, you could certainly make a goal to pay off your student loans. And, and that goal can kind of vary depending on what your purposes are. You might be pursuing public service loan forgiveness. And your goal might be to make sure you certify your employment certification form every six to 12 months this year to make sure your payments are counting. Or if you're refinancing, it might be to do a refinance ladder and to get cash back and to refinance your student loans so that you can get the best interest rate. If a new interest rate is better, that becomes available. So it's going to look different for everybody, but this is a, also a really relevant one for most of our listeners. Number five is uh, asset protection. So I probably should have had this one number one, to be honest with you, because asset protection is one of the most important, if not the most important part of a financial plan, in my opinion, just because you need to protect your income. And if you have a family, you're married, you're in a committed relationship, or you have children, you need life insurance too. And so if you haven't taken steps to have that done, you need to. And this is not something that you should delay. So as the new year sets in, or really any date that you're listening to this, please go get disability insurance if you're a high income earner. And please consider getting term life insurance if you have someone that's dependent upon your income and make a smart goal, be specific, who are you getting it from, where are you gonna get it, how much do you need, and is it relevant? If you're in those situations, it's already relevant for you. And time specific, that day should be today, whenever you're listening to this. Totally agree, absolutely agree on that one. So number six is additional money towards your mortgage. Again, this is gonna depend on your big picture financial goals. So if you are making a big goal to be debt-free, then paying off your mortgage is a potential goal that you might consider you know, working towards. You might say, hey, every month this year, I'm gonna put two mortgage payments towards my mortgage, or I'm gonna put an extra $500 towards my mortgage every month, or however that looks for you, but putting additional money might be a specific goal that's interesting to you this year, if that's something that is a big picture goal as well. And if, if you haven't noticed, some of these goals don't require repeated actions on your part, but to set things up automatically. Right. So you have goals that you can set up automatically those those in that are highly relevant and actionable and all that other great stuff those that's great that's even better mind and your ability to then tackle other big harder stretch goals that you might have so something as easy as adding more money to the mortgage just commit to it write it down set up the transfers and you're done now obviously you've got to then budget for that piece right but that's a whole nother thing like following into our next one. So number seven is following a smart goal budget. So, and Ryan and I have different views on this topic, but I'm a backwards budgeter. And so I take that big picture and then, you know, whittle it down into monthly goals and make them automatic. And so on that part, we probably agree, but I definitely don't do a $0 budget where I follow every dollar and have a job for it. Either way, a goal for you this year might be to have a budget and you should describe what that budget is going to look like and how you're going to keep to it. And which software you're going to use, whether it's you need a, you need a budget or mint.com, or you're just going to do it old fashioned on Excel sheets. Budgeting is a great goal. And just don't turn this one into like the typical, like I'm going to diet exercise this year and then be like me and never do it. It's hard to keep to this one because it is a, a routine that's ongoing like those things. Yeah. And we've talked about on the show where you don't want to make any changes right away. Just track it, get it going. And, and this one, like more people, I think set the, the biggest stretch goal they can and then they don't hit it and they get frustrated and they quit really quickly. Yep. For some reason, budgeting really does that to everyone. So this might be the only one that I say don't set an aggressive stretch goal. <laughs> I like the, the stretch goals. All right. So now we talk about the dreaded B word. 
Number eight is a down payment on a house. If this year is the year or the next year is the year that you're planning on buying a home, then you might consider you know, setting aside 20% to make a down payment on a house so you can really reduce your, your mortgage interest rate as much as possible. I know for my wife and I, when we paid off our student loans, that was actually a really relevant goal for us was moving into a house, but personal finance is personal. So we went with the physician mortgage, didn't save down the down payment. Uh, so again, this is going to look different for everybody, but that may be a goal for you. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with physician mortgages. It's when they're used incorrectly is the problem. Mm -hmm. So if you used a physician mortgage, which we have a whole show, several shows on that, if, if you don't know, but just really quick, it essentially allows you to put less than 20% down, but not have to pay PMI. And it costs a little bit more in terms of interest rate to get that loan, but it's still very competitive. The problems that people have with this is if you decide to buy that million plus dollar house that you shouldn't have bought and you did it with no money down because the bank would lend to you, that's where they become dangerous. If you bought a house that is affordable to you that you can make the payments on and that there's no issues and you go with a physician mortgage, it's okay. It's just, it's really easy to get over leveraged with yep. a physician mortgage and the bank is not going to be there to stop you. Yep, absolutely. So number nine is a, a no spend month. And this is just an idea throughout there just to, to have you think about it. It might be a little bit tied to that budget goal, but a no spend month, you might decide, hey, look, I'm going to try to to build those financial muscles and to try to you know, be a little more frugal with our money and decide to not spend on anything that's not discretionary, basically. So, you know, obviously your fixed expenses might happen. And, and this may be, hey, I want to have a reduced spending month or whatever that looks like for you. But it's just a potential goal like dieting to, to lose weight or to exercise more often. Maybe you're going to spend less money doing X or maybe, maybe call me crazy. Maybe it's I'm going to spend more money doing Y and, and put more money towards something that's actually important to you. But that money has to come from somewhere. So you ha might have to reduce your spending and that may be a goal that's worth worthwhile pursuing. I'm going to say that happens to everyone, right? You start to go, hmm, I'm going to pay attention to what I'm spending and I need to reduce these categories. But then as you get going through it, you're like, well, I really enjoy doing X activity. Mm -hmm. and more money should be flowing into that activity and less into everything else. As long as, of course, like you're actually saving and not debt and, and things like right. that. But that should happen. And that does happen with pretty much everyone we work with is once you get to the point that you're saving enough, that you've, you've identified where everything is going, you make the decision yourself. It's not me going, hey, Jimmy, you should do this. You're going to go hey, I was looking at this and I think I get it now. Like, I don't want to spend as much in, let's say, Amazon. Right. And because that, you know, dopamine hit when we make that purchase isn't as cool anymore. But I'd really like to spend more money going to Legoland with the kids. So I bought an annual pass. It was expensive, but we budgeted for it. And we did this and I'm more than happy to give up my Amazon purchases for it. Right. Exactly. It's just about what your priorities are. Exactly. So number 10 is to create an estate plan. So if, again, this kind of goes with the uh, term life insurance thing. But if you have people that are dependent upon your income or that you plan on having inherit your estate, whether that's your investments or things that you own or whatever that may be, or maybe you need to make a trust, please go ahead and do that. That's not something to set aside. You need to go ahead and have a will, have a trust set up, you know, if that's right for you and consult an estate attorney to allow you to do that. But this goal made the list because honestly, it's something that I put off for, I don't know, two or three years after I had my first kid and I, I should have done it much sooner. You don't want your family getting stuck in probate court and paying all that extra expenses, you know, while they're supposed to be grieving. Just make it simple for them and just take care of this. Good job not ending our list with that one. Yeah, we don't want to end with death. That's not yeah. a good one. We're end with death. So we're going to end on a positive note. 
<laughs> yeah, on the positive note, and this is one that I really, really like because it is why really I do the podcast is for this. So let's end on a positive note. Yeah, so the positive ending. So number 11 is a financial knowledge SMART goal. So you might make a goal to, let's say, read one financial personal finance book per month, or I'm going to listen to one podcast, read one blog per week and maintain my financial knowledge or gain financial knowledge on something that I don't currently know about. And that could be germane to whatever whatever interests you. But the idea is to make a goal to increase your financial knowledge through the resources that are available so that you can make better financial decisions. And hopefully this podcast becomes part of that for you. Yeah. So when he said, listen to one podcast, he didn't mean episode a week. He meant our show, right? Mm, Indeed. Wherever that may be. Well, we hope that we are helping you guys out because that is honestly why we do this. Like I obviously we're nerding out on finances and you don't have to do that, but you do have to understand how your money flows, what's happening with it, be in control of it. And hopefully we are getting you closer to achieving at least that goal, but I'd like you to make it a smart goal. So don't just say, I want to get better again with money or I want to you know increase my knowledge, right? I want to read one book a month or listen to this or to actually put this together, take a class, whatever it is. So thank you everyone for listening. We really, really appreciate it. This is for entertainment purposes only. Do not take this as investment advice. My dad is only a fiduciary for his clients. Have a great day. Bye. Bye.